Episode two of the Koizaros podcast. We are back. We are wonderful. And I think we're actually even happy, believe it or not, for Spurs fans. But how we feeling? How we feeling, everyone? Yeah, I mean, I uh, same as last week, just increasing even more. Um, I uh, I will say I was a little disheartened by the first half of the of this match as opposed to last week. Like I said, we talked about this briefly in the chat, but um, it was another tale two halves. Uh, but this time, I thought the first half, other than Hugo, was demonstrably worse than the first half um, last week. But we also looked great in the second half. You could see we took advantage of them tiring our fitness, uh, started creating a lot of space. They stopped playing as physical, which we'll get to that a little bit more, I think, later. But, um, yeah, I'm still firmly at the top of the triangle. Uh, so let's keep it cracking. Yeah, same. I, I I missed most of the first half, which I guess was fortuitous. I um, was in Florida. I just got back, actually. I was with my, um, with my uncle. And so my uncle, my wife and daughter saw the first five minutes uh, at his place. And then we walked to go watch the rest of the game with the Palm Beach County Spurs. So I saw Sonny's goal, and then I missed about 20, 25 minutes. And then I came back, and I was like, oh, wow, they'll look uh, kind of good lately. I'm um, wondering what's going on. Spurs are still up though, so that's good. So I missed most of it, including the the dock injury that I had to I had to watch on replay. But yeah, I mean, uh, echo what Ben said. Definitely, uh, um, the the twenty last twenty minutes or so of the first half that I saw, not encouraging. Um, but uh, but the second half was was pretty incredible. And I'm a big big XG guy, and you know the XG um, uh, was looking strong um, against uh, was it Newcastle. Um, but it was not good. I mean, it was just clinical and a couple of big players making big plays. But I think we lost the XG something like 1.8 to, to 0.9 or something versus um, Newcastle was like we we had like 3.4 was one of the one of the, the most outstanding XG performances of our season. And, and I think across uh, all five leagues um, last weekend was one of the biggest. Um, so not the case um, that XG was crazy for for this uh, Villa win, but uh, but. That's what the best players in the world do is they they take their chances. It's actually a little surprising that the XG was you said it was one one point eight. It was one point eight for Villa. No, it yeah, that's yeah. that's that's what's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought they, they had they could have had easily three goals. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I guess with, with XG, it's it's like the kind of chances they take. So um it's not just that they got chances, but it's like the positions they're in. That's how it all oh, I know. up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, but but they <laughs> But I guess you you might look at it and say like a bunch of their chances were off target, so those already negatively negate the XG. Like it's not just um, yeah. It's, Danny it's, it's like fluffed his, they had, fluffed his shot, they had fluffing of their of their lines, stuff like that. Um, we'll probably and although the, the, the um, Coutinho free kick at the last goal of the first half was incredibly close to going in, that's a super low XG shot because it's basically almost a corner kick. Um, in terms of like it was right on the line so although yeah. it was right there and it was an incredible save that probably was you know yeah, a tenth right. of an extra a tenth of a point or, or something like that so yeah that's, that's like a 0.01 type uh right that's a very very small amount and even <clears throat> i'm trying to remember the guy's name uh his midfielder it was the first time i've seen him play i think but he's one of their up-and-coming players that had that first shot that hugo saved where he Take just kind of the- dribbled Jacob Ramsey. His name's Jacob Ramsey. Ramsey. All right. yeah. he, he, I mean, he just dribbled through our defenders and then it was got a pretty awesome out. move. It was a very awesome move. But uh, just back to, to Jesse's point, I think, and I, I haven't actually looked at the XG on that one, but 
I would assume that that would be a little bit lower, even though it was close, just because of the angle. I mean, I'm kind of grasping for straws because I agree. I would have thought they would have more than 1.8 because what do we have, 1.1 or something like that? Yeah, I mean, different places categorize it in different ways, but it was, I think I saw between like 0.09 and, and 1.1 or something. I think the other thing too, and I could do an honestly, we could do a whole podcast, not just an episode about <laughs> XG because I find it so fascinating. But I think one thing to note is also, I don't like it doesn't count it's just like where the people are, where the shot is taken, those kind of things. Like it doesn't count if it's Joel standing over the ball or if it's Harry Kane, which is a difference because like having slight Kane difference, or slight over, difference. Yeah. Over the ball is, is a lot different than having like that. There's Villa has a lot of talent. Like Dini is terrific. Um, Ramsey, we just talked about Mings. Ings always kills us, but there's a lot of a reason where like when these guys fluff those chances, like there's a reason these guys are on Villa. It, they right. would be if they were nailing these chances every time they wouldn't be on Villa they'd be on you know Chelsea and Spurs and United or, or even in, in other parts of the, the country or other parts right of the and, continent. One, and, and one of the things about expected goals in general right is <clears throat> well Kane and Son now have a history of outperforming their XG like that's the whole clinical finisher thing right like you can have these aberrational obviously games XG doesn't barely even come into a game right it's a longer term stat the more the more data you have, the more it actually tells you. Uh, it's a more of a predictive future stat than telling you. I mean, it tells you what happened to a degree. You know, obviously you can say a team got battered or got unlucky, blah blah blah. But when you can see that year after year, people like Son and Kane in particular are outperforming their expected goals, that's where you get to see just like again how clinical they are. And it's not a surprising, obviously. And and then, like you said, some of these guys that are on mid-table teams that have flashes, but they don't generally, you know, score 20 goals a season. Like we've seen uh, Kane and to a lesser extent Son over the past few seasons, just repeatedly putting up these numbers. Well, that's actually that's actually a good segue for where we wanted to go next, because I think it's worth talking about both Kane and Son, who, you know, for the most part, carried our offense last year, which was mostly anemic. This year, it was also anemic under Nuno, and now we're seeing us scoring goals by the bunch pretty much week in and week out. Um, we talked about last in episode one just how many goals we had been scoring. It's continued with four more added on this past Saturday. Four wins on the bounce, as they would say in Britain, um, or as we would say, in a row. <laughs> Uh, 12 goals in the last three matches, Sonny scoring five of them. And surprisingly, in those past three matches, none of the goals have come from Kane, but he still managed to look like the best player on the pitch. Um, I think the addition of Kulishevsky obviously takes our front three to a whole nother level that Lucas Mora obviously was not providing. Um, but it's interesting now because you still feel like Kane and Son are carrying the load, but they don't have to do everything. It's not 100% Kane and Son. Now you're getting contributions from Kulisevsky. You're getting uh, the odd goal from Doherty or from Regulon or from Emerson Royale. You're getting players like Romero and Dyer who are just doing their job at such a high level that it doesn't necessarily feel like if Kane doesn't score, then we're screwed because he actually hasn't scored in the past three games and we scored 12 goals. Um one of the conversations we were having during the match, because um, uh, we were watching the match over with DC Spurs earlier, um, Kim was with me as well, and yeah, we were having a conversation. Shout out to DC Spurs. Definitely shout out to DC Spurs. Um, we were having a conversation about Harry Kane, and like, 
is he the best player in the Premier League right now? Um, I mean, Kim, what's your take on that? How do you feel about so, Kane? So I would say like on form, you could probably say like if you told me he was the best player, if someone said he was the best player in the Premier League, I, I wouldn't have anything to argue. And I'd probably be for that just because he's doing like everything on the pitch. Um, and he literally could do everything on the pitch. Like I could feel like he could be a center back if he really wanted to be. He could be a midfielder if he wanted to be. He could num- be a number 10 if he wanted to be. He could be a number nine as he is. Um, goalkeeper. He played a goalkeeper. Once. <laughs> that one time. I was going to say, I feel like he did, right? <laughs> um, So I just feel like he has attributes that would fit every possession in, in some sort of way. And yeah, he's not spending as much time in the box, um, especially like in the last couple, in the last match specifically, this last one, we sort of gave Villa, not that we gave Villa the ball, we tried to get out our own half, but we just couldn't. Um, Villa was just, they were really good on the ball. And that's the one thing I'll say. They were good on the ball to start the game yesterday. They put themselves in great positions to succeed. Um, and we didn't match their aggressiveness to start the game. Um, they also upped their aggressiveness when uh, Doc got hurt. Um, it was it, To me, it was that moment. I think Gerard went and talked to them and were like, we're not really in this match. we got to figure out something. And so to me, they looked better after that maybe first 12 minutes um, and got into the game. And I just don't think we matched their aggressiveness, but back to Kane, um, like you say, he's just, he's just doing things like you just don't even see on the pitch um, that headed assists into Kane's pass, pass. I mean, into Sun's path for his goal. He literally scan. You see him scan. He looks and he sees Sun make like, he looks and he sees Sun. He doesn't even see him making the run yet, but he heads the ball into his path because he knows if I do that, he'll make that run. And so it's just, Kane is just seeing things on the field that I just don't think many people see. So he's making these, these quick decisions that lead to goal scoring opportunities. I mean, two headed assists in, in one game and one half. I don't know what the, and obviously the sun one was on a completely different level than the, than the Decky one, but like, I would love to talk to, I I don't know if they've tweeted yet, but Opta Joe or whoever sends those tweets out of like how many headed assists do people have all year? Like, yeah, but head, there head might not be a, a person from... with three headed assists in the whole season, and he had two headed assists in open play, too. Not headed assists in the box. Not, I was right. gonna say that's that, yeah, point. yeah, that's, cr- that's right, like, I mean, like not it's... off of a corner, and I'm heading it to the guy on the post, like, yeah, I'm it, it in the was... middle of the pitch, just looking bang. And, and Kulisevsky just did this... so wonderfully with his take, too. I mean, that guy is just ridiculous for 21 was, years. Uh... Not a Giorgi original, but I saw the line about like that 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 came to Sun. Obviously, the connection's historic, but like it was just like the amount of trust that those two have in each other. Like Kane, all he needed to see was Sun was making a run, and he trusted Kane's going to get into this space. And Sonny was shot out of a rocket because he trusted Kane to get him the ball in the spot. So it's just like the not just the amount of skill and timing and all that stuff, but like the amount of trust between two guys that have played so much together. Like. I know that you'll get to this ball if I do this. And I know that you have the skill and awareness and wherewithal to get this ball to me. So you know, I don't know if there's, there's two other players in the, in the league now that I could think of, you know, that would, would do that. It feels like maybe something that, you know, KDB to, to Aguero at the height of those guys powers a couple of years ago would be the only other group of people that I could ever think about doing something like that. Well, that, that specific one you're bringing up, uh, the, the second one to, to Sun, that felt to me somehow it was like a new age version of an old school English goal, right? The, the knock on from the one striker to the other, the route one from, was that, was, who was that, was that, was a pass from 
Romero, or was it from yeah. Romero? Yeah, Romero. So I mean, uh, just Hugo like was suit. one of them. Romero was the other. Gotcha. Yeah. So just both of them, really, but especially that second one, it was just a really fluid version of an old school, you know, Route One goal, and it was it's just fun to watch. You know, it really is fun to watch the understanding between Son and Kane, like you said. Uh, Son, Son knows to, to start looking out for the ball as soon as it gets anywhere near Kane, and Kane knows to keep an eye out that Son is probably going to be on the move somewhere in behind. Um, and it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch. I would say that yeah, Kane. Oh man, it's hard to say. Kane's Kane's almost playing as well right now as as good of a stretch that I can remember him ever playing. Just for the last few games, at the very least. I yeah. Mean, with with his assist numbers, his his dropping in deep doesn't seem like it's out of frustration like it has in the past. I remember seeing him drop deep sometimes when he wasn't getting the ball. This is him dropping deep because he knows there are people to get on the other hand, uh, the other end of his passes, you know. And I think that Kulisevsky coming in has just added a ton of balance. Couple that with Kane getting hot at the right time. Sonny seeming to come more into form. And man, that front three is just deadly. And then, like you said, Bentoncourt, I think, helps out Hoiberg. Just seems like everything's clicking, to be honest. Romero finally coming in and staying healthy for a little while. I don't Avoiding know. Avoiding yellows. Yeah, yeah. I, well, to, to a degree, you need a healthy amount of yellows. But, He's but, like a vegetable. I, like you need your vegetable servings. He needs to get a. He needs to be getting some yellows on the reg. I think we're going to get to the point where only one game away from Romero would have to get two in the next game for him to be suspended. So we're we're getting closer and closer to the yellow cards. Not it helped that he didn't play the first like half of the season, right? I mean, we, we don't have to talk about that. Kane <laughs> <laughs> has five goals and six assists his last seven Premier League games. He's got five assists of those 12 goals that Joel mentioned at the top. Um, and I shared these in the chat too, but like Decky has three goals and six assists in 11 games, which is as many assists as Bruno does in 18 fewer games. And then Sun has eight goals and three assists in his last nine to rocket him to not only the golden boot chase, but uh, he's got more goals from open play than anybody else in the league this year. Cause I think Mo has like five or six penalties. Um, and he only has three more goals than Sun. So this and, the, the, the triumvirate up, up top is is unreal. It's it's absolutely as good as um, as any front three has been in the last several years of Premier League. I mean, I know that like that that Liverpool front three a couple of years ago was humming. This is, is just as good in a different way. But these three are just as good yeah. right now. And just so, sorry, so but to, to throw one last stat on here, guys, I I just saw it today and just thought it was funny, but. Uh, Spurs have scored more goals since Conte took over than Arsenal have since the beginning of the season. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have I don't have the source here for that one. I wish I had sent it out, but uh, I, I believe it at least. No, well, it's, it's speaking true. of the Woolwich Gunners, they uh, dropped another three points. So they are now three points behind us in the standings. They still have their one game in hand, which, as we mentioned before, is away at Chelsea. Um, United also lost. And Spurs are flying with uh, no end in sight. So with all of that in mind, um, where where are we on the triangle now, Kim? How, how's it feeling? Um, Same place as last week or? No, no, no. I, I think I'm like firmly at the top of the triangle. Um, I was talking about this with uh, the DC Spurs. Um, there is a certain thing about a team when you know they don't play well, but they do just enough to make it to the half. And then they come out and they just bury a team like Liverpool does this all the time. Me and Joel and our friends, we call it find a way. They just find a way to win. Um, that's what we did. We just found a way to win. Hugo, obviously, like someone has to be massive in a game to prevent. I said 
to have seven saves in one half. Like you shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have put ourselves in a position to let that happen. But once Conte got the team, talked to them, probably changed some tactics. Uh, they were able to come out and bag four goals pretty easily. Like those goals came off for them pretty easily. It wasn't as soon as Decky got that second goal, it was like the, the air went out of that stadium and it just made it much easier for us, for us to do what we, what we wanted to do. Um, I think Villa tiring was helpful in that, but it firmly planted in my mind that we're a good team. Now we should expect to win games. Um, obviously we're not going to win every game. That's just, if we went on a run of, that would be what 14 games. Um, that would be wild. But um, I just think as we go into most games, we're going to score. Um, even with a team like Villa, who was very, very aggressive. I think we found a way to, to, to deal with that aggression. We didn't become Spursy as they would call it. And we actually put our foot on that game to end it. So I just think we've showed that as Conte likes, he likes a team that can suffer. We showed that we can suffer through the first half and still find a way to um, score four goals. So I'm confident in this team because I know Sonny and Kane, Decky are on form and doing well. And then the rest of the team just finds a way to, to dig down deep, get what they need done and try to win. And we are going to try to take some time on certain episodes to shout out different supporters clubs, especially as this is a Tottenham podcast with four Americans. We know that there are supporter clubs all over the country. We're even a part of some of them. I'm going to shout out my own club this week, DC Spurs, which hosts me and my noise every weekend, but also joined, uh, Kim joined me this week, was able to watch the match with some of the guys that, and girls that I, I watch the match with every, every week. We, uh, we met this lovely guy named Lyndon, who was in town from Brighton, ironically, um, who's a Spurs fan, and, and we were talking about some of the differences between uh, watching a match at a British pub versus an American bar. Um, so hopefully he's listening. We share the podcast with him as well. Um, and also wanted to give a shout out to at Digital Spurs on Twitter, um, who retweeted some video from DC Spurs this weekend uh, doing the Antonio chant. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Probably ended up staying there a little bit uh later than the match ended but you know that that's what you can do on a Saturday when uh when you're waking up at at 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock to watch matches um again we are the Khoisar Us podcast you can find us on Twitter at Khoisar Us podcast um you can also contact us via email or at Khoisar Us podcast at gmail.com um this was mentioned earlier uh we wanted to kind of dig in a little bit to talk about Doherty's in injury, uh, a player that has been completely out of form and and looked for a while to be on his way out um, and basically has just worked hard and gotten himself to a place where he was a consistent starter for the past few weeks, um, took a bad tackle from Matty Cash on the weekend and was reported by Ali Gold yesterday that he will now be out for the rest of the season. Um, Villa was pretty aggressive on Saturday, right? I mean, is that normal or? They seemed more aggressive than normal to me, I would say. And I think a lot of, uh, I think the ref let it get out of hand early on. Um, 
I'm trying to think there was a Ming's tackle early on that was pretty rough. That the the Matty Cash one was the main one that stands out, obviously, because the injury. But there were a handful that I think the ref didn't even blow the whistle and call a foul. And I think they were probably yellow cards. That it's probably up for debate if you want to just call it a foul or a yellow card. But we we chatted a little bit about this, Joel or Joel, so I'm sorry. Um, but uh, you can just because you get the ball first does not mean you can just completely wipe out the player. That's just not the way the sport is. That's not the right. way basketball say same exact rules in basketball for the most part. Right. It's, you can get all ball first and then just body the guy into the, in the stands, you know, I mean, it makes no sense. The, a couple of those fast, I mean, he, he flew in at like basically knee height. You yeah. Know, like that's, that's practically a Kung Fu kick. He just, luckily he didn't go studs up or anything like that. It was no, no, not rash enough to be a, a red. And like I said, I, I feel like you could debate it be the yellow, but I don't think it's that debatable that that should have been a foul. And when they started getting away with those calls, uh, they just started going at it. And uh, there were some fouls against us that were a little more ticky tack. I understand them. They were fouls, you know, a lot more, um, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of the term I'm blanking, but, you know, to, uh, taking one for the team type fouls, you know, um, tactical fouls. Yeah. Tactical fouls. Thank you. Uh, like like um, the cane yellow at the end of the match where he was trying. Yeah. To there are a few of those. And, uh, and I'm not, not to say, I, I just think, sorry, I went on too much of a tangent, but basically I think the ref got it out of hand a little early on. I thought that there were a few tackles that were not called and that's basically it. It just, it spun out of control. Well, that's the thing, right? Like when we talk about a ref letting the game get out of hand or sometimes you watch a match and it's like, oh, well, you know, this ref's letting them play or you watch some other matches where every five seconds there's a whistle because, you know, the ref is calling everything to the letter of the law. And I guess the larger question um, for Jesse would be like, is it good that there is so much variance between Who's refing the match? Uh, what teams are playing? How does the team come out? Does the ref need to adjust to that? Should he already have an idea of how he wants to call the game in advance? Like, there does seem to be so much difference in terms of what is or isn't a foul, depending on the situation, depending on who's playing, the weather, who the ref is. Is that okay? It does seem like it's something that we've just accepted, but it, can we expect anything else? I think that there's always going to be a little bit of difference. I mean, right, the rules of the game are the rules of the game, but everyone's interpretations of those are going to be slightly different. Um, so I think it's nice. It's good to have some slightly, okay, this, this guy's going to let you play a little bit more. This person's going to be a little bit strict. But it, sometimes it seems like it's really, really, like, wildly different. And that can be challenging. But, like, if you get into certain, you know, uh, you know, gambling subreddits or Twitter threads, like in NBA, you can say, like, okay, cool. Like the over is going to hit this game because this guy calls a lot of fouls. And that means people are going to be getting to the, to the line, you know, when the clock stops to make buckets. And so I think the same thing can kind of happen a lot in, in soccer as well. We're like, it, you, you have some variance, but at, at times it does feel like there's a little bit too much of like, how are we all looking at the same thing and not seeing um, that this is a foul here? You know, they're, they're, they, these things are happening in split seconds and we don't have the referees don't always have the um, ability to use VAR to review things unless it's a very, very serious foul. I mean, it's getting reviewed, but these things are happening in split seconds. But then on the other hand of it, these guys are absolutely elite athletes who have to make the right decision at a split seconds notice at of all times, you know, to, uh, and this specifically Val from cash. It did look, he, he came in like, yeah, not only like, he was sweeping the leg like karate kid style as well, where he was really trying to like go for it. Um, 
that scissor. It's like that scissor action. Yeah, and then afterwards he was yeah. pounding his fists. Like clearly the thing was like, let's make Tottenham not have a fun time. If you watch any CONCACAF game, especially on the road in World Cup qualifying, that's what every team pretty much does um, with a, a couple of countries specifically when the U.S. comes to play. And they're like, oh, cool. They like guys like to dribble. Like it's kind of almost a joke where like when Pulisic subs in, how long will it take for someone to crash into Pulisic? And it's usually under under two touches of his and that kind of thing. So there's definitely some, you know, let, let's make these higher skill or guys that want to dribble and make quick decisions. Let's make them uncomfortable, um, you know, and, and so there is some physicality, but there has to be some sort of general understanding or, or room to you know, not that I want more VAR, but sometimes these things should be like, this is obvious. Someone should be able to have a buzzer that's like, hey, man, you know, that's, that's probably a yellow. <laughs> a Buffalo you know? Wild Wings buzzer. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. That. Um, Tim, just, yeah. Tim's got some hot takes on this too, so I'll throw it over to her. <laughs> no, so I, I think if we just look at Villa specifically, they were a team that had lost three games in a row. So I know Gerard came in and was like, we're not going to let Tottenham play. We're like, what we're going to do is not let Tottenham play. So they started the game off very aggressive. To me, it was the ref's job to see that Villa was going to, go pretty aggressive and give someone a yellow card before the dot tackle tackle happened. Cause before, at that point there were probably like two or three and I reacted in the bar. And I think at the time um, people thought I, I think I overreacted on some of these calls where I was like, that should be a yellow card or that's a foul. And they're like, they got ball, they got ball. But to me, I was like, but these guys are, they're going for more than just ball. Uh, they spent the first 30 minutes going for more than just ball. And then they were able to get on the ball. Didn't have to do that as much. Um, but to me, the, the ref had, it was on the ref to make sure that we weren't going to get a player injured because they got tackled. And to me, that's what happened. Um, I, I just think, like I say, Villa, Villa was, they had, they had the impetus to, to go, go hard and go aggressive. And I think teams think that's the way to beat Spurs. Now um, we've had the propensity in the past to when people are that aggressive to sort of shrink back. And I think the good thing that happened is they didn't get a goal on top of that because mentally um, that's what people think about Spurs is, you know, you, you kick them a few times, you score, you might demoralize them. You might win, especially away from home. So um, that's why I would say one thing about the team, I feel like mentally they're really, really strong, but to me, the, the, um, the referee really needed to, to, uh, you know, be more judicious about he how he gave out yellow cards in that match. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know thinking about what Jesse was saying about like players who dribble a lot. I mean, I, I remember uh, like last year when Jack Grealish was was still at Villa, <clears throat> there was a ton of stats about how often he would get fouled. Um, I think the player that comes to mind automatically is Neymar, who like is a wizard on the ball, but is is not is constantly getting knocked to the ground. Um, and it's, it's interesting because like, as I mentioned last week, I, I am a big basketball fan and I think, you know, when I watch an NBA game and I see a ref kind of swallowing the whistle a little bit and letting players get away with some aggressive play, I actually kind of like that. Like, I, I actually don't like when they blow the whistle too much, but for me, it's just a matter of, okay. As long as it's being called evenly, if you're letting team A get away with that and make sure you're letting team B get away with it, too, so that there isn't any disadvantage being played. I think the biggest difference um, in like thinking about the comparison between 
football or soccer and other sports is I think, especially thinking about like basketball, some guy gets slapped on the arm or uh, somebody takes a aggressive bump to the basket. It's not really the same thing as having a season ending knee injury. Um, and I think because the game is so much faster and um, I think the collisions are a lot more intense, there is probably a little bit more um, attention that refs need to pay just from the perspective of keeping injuries down and like protecting player health. You know, like if, if a player drives to the basket in basketball and is an extra bump on the way up and the ref doesn't blow a whistle and doesn't give the person an and one, like that's not really going to cause anyone to be injured. So for me, it's like, yeah, don't call the whistle all the time. And also in a sport like basketball, the more times the whistle gets blown, the more the gameplay stops. <laughs> um, and that's another thing that I think makes football so much more interesting is that there is a lot more at the discretion at the ref's discretion, right? There's stuff at ref's discretion in every sport, but I think like a perfect example is if a player has the ball, you can play advantage and just let them keep playing. Right? Like, it's not like we have to stop the game every time that something happens. Um, but I, I do sometimes think about like, the way that we talk about football refs and VAR in particular, and the way some of those same things are implemented in American sports. Like, do you guys think the refereeing is any better or worse in the premier league compared to American sports leagues? Um, you know, it, are they given a more difficult job? Maybe. I think, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of more of a difficult job. You've got, um, one ref and two linesmen or women on the field, which are larger than a football field, where in a football field you have um, back judges, line judges, referees, umpires. I don't know. There's like five or six people, I think, on, uh, on, on the field. And things are only happening for six seconds. So, you know, we talked just before recording about, like, um, decision fatigue and the hundreds of decisions that referees have to make in any game in American football, you have to pay attention, you know, hyper attention for six seconds. And then there's a stop, um, you know, that, that handful of seconds right before the snap and the handful of seconds after the snap. So you're able to like kind of rest a little bit. You still have to be thinking on what's going on, communicating with the team, but it never stops. That's the one thing about soccer that never really ever stops. Even if there's an injury or a goal, you get a, a, a short timeout. So the, the ref's able to turn his brain off for, 60 seconds or something like that in a 45 minute half at a time. So I think that's the biggest thing. What I'd like to see a little bit more of is just is a, should, should a foul be a foul no matter where it is in the field? Like, should you have to butcher a person if it's in the box or shouldn't a foul that's in your own half be the same if just because it happened to be inside the box, it feels like most of the time it's, you know, let's just say, a. uh, uh, fouls are simplistic and it's a one to 10. It feels like if a foul is a, um, a five, it'll get called, you know, outside, you know, and, and somewhere deeper in the, in what you call like the neutral zone or somewhere around midfield, it has to be like a seven or eight if it's in the box to get called. And so should that be consistently, like, should you really have to, to murder somebody to, to get a foul or get a penalty called, or should it be no matter where on the 85, 90 yards by 110 yards, a foul should be a, a foul everywhere. I don't know. Well, that's kind of like an NBA ref, like hacking 
hacking, not them hacking, but like somebody makes a foul in the first quarter, they might call it different than if it's the last three seconds of the fourth, then it's like, all right, well, uh, maybe I'm, I guess my point is in theory, yes, all fouls should be created equal, but there's always going to be so many other things at play, particularly with like, humans being humans and they're also being affected by the crowd like let's not pretend like that doesn't happen because that absolutely happens in every sport um ben jump in here what what are you thinking about about the the ref situation yeah i mean there's a lot to unpack here in a lot of different ways right um just as an example like you were just talking about how that you'll call things different parts of the game differently one of the one that's always gotten on my nerves is uh the second yellows because Man, you know, the people would, it would be a first yellow if it happened. And for some reason, it's not a second yellow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That one gets on my nerves. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff does come back to consistency, right? Like to your point earlier, especially in the NBA and then and the NFL as well. I think these are two, both of them can get really whistle happy and it gets really annoying to watch when it happens. If they're calling ticky tack fouls all over the place, it gets really annoying. So I think that there is something to be said for that. I still think obviously when you're starting, when you're having fouls that are more, uh, you know, endangering the player safety. I feel like you can, at that point, you can blow the whistle and not annoy the fans as much, at least of the one team. Um, but like you said, consistency is a big part of it. You need to call not only for both teams, obviously, but you need to call it consistently uh, to Jesse's point, like on different parts of the field. And then the main thing is consistently through the game. It can't be that in the first half you can get away with murder, but in the second half, you can't tug a guy by his, his shirt for, a, you know, outside the box or whatever. There's just the, the lack of consistency is where you're going to have a lot of frustration on the player's part, on the fans part, on the coaches, everybody, I think. Uh, so just calling things at the beginning of the game, at the end of the game, I think it would make a lot more sense. I know that you're right, though, that there, there's no way they're going to do that. There's so much more scrutiny on a foul right at the very end of the game. There's so much more scrutiny on a foul in the box. There's a right. human element to this. So, you know, kind of, you know, can't have everything, I suppose. But I mean, the other part of it, right, is like as fans, I think we want refs to be perfect. Right. And it's just not ever going to happen because. They're human um, and they're trying to pay attention to. A hundred things happening at once. They have line judges that are really just paying attention to offside, but they're not really making a ton of foul calls um, and not to mention, like they are in the middle of the game as well. So um, there was actually this really cool docuseries that I think uh, I think it was on Paramount Plus where they followed a bunch of refs who are basically like calling champions league games. So they'll follow them during the match. I think, uh, I think it was called man in the middle. It might've been from Amazon. Um, but he, they basically would follow refs on certain champions league matches. And like, you would hear some of the stuff that comes in on their ear. Um, you would see how they're looking at the game while the game's going on. Um, and, but it was like documentary style. So it was all real situations and, and real refs um going through it um i mean i guess the other question ben would be like you know what is a reasonable expectation for referees considering that they're just one person standing in the middle of some of the best athletes in the world playing at the most highest and elite level like can we really expect them to catch every single thing 
So first, a quick aside, just because what you are just talking about, I've never seen that show, but I don't know if you guys have ever watched rugby. I usually watch Six Nations, at least. And one of the coolest things about it is the ref, the ref is, is mic'd up. So you can hear him explaining to players and talking to his assistants whenever there's, I forget what they call VAR. It's another thing there. But you can hear them go through exactly why they're making that decision and then explain it to the captains of the team. And you can hear him actually talk to players during play to tell a player that he's getting close to getting a foul called, different things like that. It's really, really cool. I just, it's too bad we don't have that, in, especially in soccer. I feel like you really could have it there. Or in baseball, hearing a, a home plate dump describe stuff. That would, I don't know. It seems like it would give a little bit more accountability to the refs. It would give fans a little bit more insight to what's going on. It would be cool. MLB but, uh, would never allow that to happen. They're, they're, the, the two yeah. notable ones, uh, yeah. two mess managers ago, uh, was did it, and he said, you know, he was screaming at the the ref that my butt was in the jackpot, and it was like a huge viral great video, and MLB shut it down immediately. And then the other one was uh, a manager. I'm not thrilled that was extended, but the manager of my New York Yankees, and Aaron Boone, when he got into it and got tossed two summers ago, when he was saying that um, the uh, the the ump who I think had just it had been his first his first series or one of his first seasons behind the first games behind the plate. And he was screaming that my guys are savages in the box. Um, and like ML, it was, going, it went crazy viral and MLB just was like, no, we don't want our managers and, and, uh, and umpires talked up, but, but it will be fascinating. Not a rugby guy, but might check it out this year, just because it's, it is fascinating to, to hear like what the, the keepers of the game, the rules makers are trying to do. And, right. and these people are, are humans, like, right. They're making yeah. decisions. They're trying to keep control of a the game. They're not trying to, most of them are not trying to be the show. A handful of them, I think, in every sport do think that fans are coming to pay tickets to see them, you know, blow whistles and, and give out cards and whatnot, unfortunately. But they're, they're just people trying to do jobs. Yeah. But uh, so back to uh, Joel's uh, original point here. Um, what can we expect? You know, it can, it's not fair to treat refs as if they should be infallible. Um, I think that you have to put up with the fact that there are going to be some calls that don't go your way. My main thing that I'm interested in just based on that is uh, to, to your point, Jesse, from earlier, because this is something I've been fascinated about. We have baseball can be this way a little bit, but soccer, I feel like is really, really resistant to changing the rules. You know, I mean, at bar, they, they, they did something. It's a lot of changing the interpretation of the rules, but doing something like adding extra refs there would be a huge thing or like changing the way that you can't get a penalty kick in the entire box only on like, you know, closer one or that you have um, a free kick, but it's an indirect free kick or yeah, there's all these different possible variations you could do to make it so that some of these refereeing decisions aren't quite so big. Cause I mean, a free kick is like the most punitive damage you could do in pretty much any sport. Right. Other than I'm trying to think like the very end of a football game, given a first down because of a pass interference, uh, you know, first and goal from the, uh, from the one yard line or something like that. And even that I don't think is quite as, as uh, major as, as just handing a team a goal when goals are that hard to come by. But again, it's it, because the sport is so resistant to change, especially a huge change like that. I think we're kind of, you know, it, it's, 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 it's just a waste of breath, basically. So to answer the question overall is that you just have to go with it. You have to understand that the ref's decisions are going to come into play. Hopefully throughout the season, there's enough, uh, you know, everybody wins out at different points and it, it evens out throughout the season. I mean, I guess that's pretty much what you have to hope for. Well, our, our wishes, our well thoughts and wishes are with Matt Doherty. Get well soon. Hopefully you're able to uh, come back better next season. And, uh, 
you know, hopefully soon we'll also get Ben to say my name correctly. But um, we'll, we'll, working we'll on keep that. working Promise. on that. We'll keep, <laughs> we'll keep working on it. Um, one more match coming up Saturday morning early on for us on the East Coast. Um, it's going to be a 730 a.m. kickoff. Um, and then for for Ben over in Chicago, it's going to be 630. So um, how, how you feeling about that? Are we, we waking up or are we DVRing? What are we doing? It'll probably be DVR. I'm not a morning person, but <laughs> fair um, enough. We know Jesse will be up. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. So, but- so Kim, what 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 are you thinking? Let's let's get predictions before we wrap up here. Uh, Brighton away, I think. Um, and we just played them and beat them two zero um, about uh, two or three weeks ago. So. Uh, what are we thinking? They also just did beat Arsenal. Yeah, so that game is actually at home, um, which oh, probably... Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, because yeah, Aston Villa was away. That's right, yes. Yeah, Villa was away. So this game is at home. So I am going to say uh, actually 3-1. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give us a nice 3-1. I think we'll probably let a goal in, as we do sometimes, but I think um, we'll have more than enough from Decky, uh, Son, and Kane. Um I actually probably call for another person to score um, this time, like sort of in uh, that five nil when we had the, the five one that we had, I, I think a defender probably scores again, um, maybe on a set piece and yeah, probably three, one. I'd love a Benson Kerr goal. I'd love that. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. Jesse, where are you? What are we thinking? Top of the triangle, baby. Look, the birds have been helpful. We do appreciate the bird, the bird gang of other premier league aviary mascots helping us take down our rivals but the bird gang has to take a week off uh i'm sorry seagulls 3-0 spurs lock it in all right three nil uh three one three nil it sounds like we're going to be scoring a lot of goals on saturday ben what are you thinking yeah i'm going to step it up just one more i I see another like four one brighton likes to play they like to come at you i think that they'll uh leave us a little bit of space and and uh I'm trying to, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how much we let them have the ball. If it's going to be have a 50, 50 encounter. Cause I could see, you know, like I said, they, they like to kick it around a little bit, but we also, we let in calls from time to time. So I'll, I'll go for one. Joel's uh, coach crush uh, of all summer. Graham Potter. <laughs> so hopefully he gets one or else uh, you can have to move on to somebody else. GP. Are you with me? Um. Nah, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go three-one. Um, I like I like us scoring goals. Um, I think we're gonna keep doing that until we see a pretty stout defense, and I don't think that's what Brighton brings to the table. Um, it is probably gonna be a pretty open game. Um, I also love the fact that we don't have any more midweek matches, <laughs> so we could just like prepare and rest all week. No, we have um, one. Yes, we, we do in the future, but not this week. So, yeah, I'm going to go th- three goals. We let in one. Um, and, yeah, I think Kane gets back on the score sheet this week. The last match he scored in was actually against Brighton. So um, I think they'll they'll bring it back out of him and, and we'll see another goal from Harry. Um, with that, we'll close out. This is the Koi's R Us podcast. Um, we'll be back again next week, hopefully after another win. 
Come on, you Spurs. Coys. Yeah, come on, you Spurs.